Hello and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk with Sophie Yasmin. This episode is all about living with chronic pain, dealing with chronic pain, and especially about my friend's story, which is regarding the chronic illness endometriosis. Hope you enjoy. I am so, so excited and grateful to have one of my dearest and closest friends with me here today, Anna Ross. We met when we were at school. I was 12 and she was 13. I finally got that right. And we became friends <laughs> sitting next to each other in the orchestra. So I'd like to introduce Anna now who uh, can just tell you a little bit more about herself and uh, we can start talking about, you know, living with chronic pain, endometriosis. Yeah. Hi. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Um, it's really, it's an honor to be here. Um yeah, so we met at school. I'm originally from the UK, and I remember sat with my violin and surrounded by sick formers. And I was like, "These kids are all so scary." And then I saw you, and you looked like you were my age. And I was like, "I'm gonna make friends with that girl." So I was like, "Hi, I'm Anna," <laughs> and you're like, "Hi, I'm Sophie," and that was it. It's amazing, and I'm really, really, truly grateful for that. And many years later, here we are. You know, we've been in and out of touch just purely because you've been some sort of jet setter living in all sorts of different <laughs> places and countries. Um, so yeah, I mean, so this episode is about chronic pain, endometriosis in in particular, right? Um, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna give some facts. I've, I've had to look it up because this is something that is so unknown to most people. Um, so based on UK figures, one in 10 women of reproductive age in the UK suffer with endometriosis. Um, 10% of women worldwide have endometriosis, which is just mind staggeringly, that's a lot, it's 176 million people worldwide. And so it costs, uh, endometriosis costs the UK economy 8.2 billion pounds a year in treatment loss of work and healthcare costs, which, you know, you can imagine. Um, so basically the, the purpose of this episode is to hear your story, um, but also, most importantly, I think you'll agree with this, to raise awareness. Okay, so maybe in your words, maybe you can just, you know, tell us what is endometriosis? So essentially, um, it's when tissue that should be found in the uterus grows outside of the uterus um, and it's a very very painful debilitating condition um, I had never heard of it until a year before my diagnosis actually I we weren't taught it at school I don't think I had absolutely no idea about it but it's incredibly incredibly painful and there were four stages of it so um, you've got stage one which isn't very much um, up to stage four which is basically um, your body's just riddled with it um, I, I guess, luckily, um, have stage one. The stages don't necessarily correlate with the amount of pain that you're in. So I still have quite a lot of pain, despite the fact there isn't that much of it. Um, so, yeah, but it can be incredibly, incredibly painful. And I think for most women, incredibly debilitating um, with their life. From from researching, it sounds like doctors really don't know much themselves. Yeah, no one seems to know. Well, I've never... I haven't seemed to found out like where where it comes from. Um, I think it can maybe it's linked to genetics. Maybe it's just sort of luck of the draw. I 
genuinely have absolutely no idea because I'm pretty sure no one else in my family suffers from it. So we're all a bit like, where did, you know, where did this come from? Yeah. So in, in preparation for this again, you know, these podcast episodes for me are literally me learning and then talking about what I've learned. <laughs> it's like a sort of school project, <laughs> you know, sort of school project times 10. But yeah, looking up the causes of possible causes, the, 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 the one word that came up when you're looking up causes for endometriosis is unknown <laughs> so you're just like right okay um but yeah like you said they they say possibly genetic um but then for you you know that that wouldn't be the case and then they say you know perhaps sort of like a weakened immune system in some sort of way that that, that could facilitate this you know coming into your body but yeah uh, that must be really um difficult to yeah mentally to deal with just that this thing is there and you know it's just like you know, no particular cause or reason for it. But what about um, for you personally, the symptoms? I know that people suffer in different ways. You talked about different levels of pain, different stages. So ha has that changed for you over the years? How old were you when you were diagnosed versus now looking back in hindsight? At what sort of age did you first sort of seem to get symptoms of this? That's... That's actually really, that's a really interesting question. Um, it's something I was thinking about recently. So I was diagnosed through surgery last year um, after a few years of um, like really almost accelerated amounts of pain sort of came out of nowhere. And yeah, through um, laparoscopy last year, that's how I was diagnosed. But I'm, I'm very lucky in that um, I managed to, you know, I live in a country where I have access to that and there are lots of women who suspect that they have it, but they're not in situations where they can get that. And it's really frustrating because you can't detect it through um, normal like ultrasounds and things like that. Um, but looking back in hindsight, it's, yeah, I'm actually, I'm not surprised because, um, and I hope it's okay. I'm going to talk about periods in the podcast. I guess it's all linked um, from the, I was 13 when I got, uh, yeah, when I first started my period and from the get go, it was painful. It was excruciating. I had to leave school. Um, embarrassingly, I just, I remember like sobbing on the floor. Um, and like, and they were never regular. And, but every time I got them, it was just the most intense amount of pain. But I just thought that was normal. That's what I was told. Doctors said it was normal. Um, you know, other girls in, you know, in, in my year, you know, they kind of, some of them suffer with the same thing. So we all just kind of figured it was one of those things that girls just have to go through. But, you know, this many years later, I'm like, it's so unacceptable that myself and other, um, other people who have periods, you know, were sort of told to shut up and get on with it when it's really, it's not normal. It's really not normal. Okay. So what led you towards going to get a diagnosis or, or, or seeking. So what happened? So, you know, what, what was the sort of treatment process for you? So you suddenly realized one day, okay, hang on, this is, this is not right. So where did you go? Like, what, what is there out there? And you live in Australia now. So were you in Australia when you, when you first seeked help? So I'm just trying to think back. So the first time I kind of went to a doctor to, uh, to, to talk about it, I was 18 and they said I got polycystic ovary um, syndrome and that was just something I'd have to deal with. And they put me on the pill and kind of that was that. And then it wasn't great. And it was kind of years of just sort of being okay and not okay and just kind of dealing with it. And then 
it's weird. I got the um, I got the Implanon, which is like this little rod thing that they put in your arm. I thought I'd give that a go, and um, uh, and I, I don't know for a fact that if this caused it necessarily, but I suddenly um, suddenly started getting ruptured cysts. Which, if anyone has ever had a ruptured cyst, it is the most indescribable amount of pain I've ever been in. I honestly thought an organ had exploded inside me, and it woke me up at like three in the morning for the first time and I just shot off to hospital and they had to like do all these scans and keep me for a few days and yeah. it was a whole thing and that that for me was the catalyst because after that nothing really was ever the same I was in pain virtually ever since then which was almost three years ago now so are those linked then because I do know people that you know get the occasional cyst some worse than others have to have them removed so if that was the sort of catalyst for you um are they linked then? I honestly, I don't know. I don't know if they're linked. I would think that they are, but I don't know. Some medical professional could listen and think, no, they're not. Um, when the first cyst ruptured, that was when, yeah, I'd say my life kind of almost took a very different direction. I went from being in pain kind of irregularly to this is now a constant in my life. How does it affect your daily life? So, you know, on a physical level, you know, obviously we know, well, we won't know unless you're, unless you're aware of what it's like, but, um, the, the, the pain, but in terms of like your lifestyle, physical lifestyle, mm. what's changed and how do you go about maintaining a level of normality? If that's even possible. My normal life, um, yeah, is no longer what it was. I've got a new way of living a new normal, um, one might say, um, in terms of how I go about I have to take each day sort of, yeah, day by day, um, in all honesty, you know, I might be okay for a few days, even a couple of weeks and not really have much pain that I can just get on with things. I can go to work. I can be social. Um, you know, I can have a life, um, with my partner and then out of nowhere, um, I'll have a flare up and I'll be in bed for a few days at a time. And I just, I can't really walk much. Um, I'm just constantly taking painkillers or if it's really bad, I have to go to hospital to get pain relief. So, I mean, the surgery that I had last year was diagnostic and also they took out what was there, but I'm really unlucky that since then it's come back. Um, I had this thing that they call a deep endometriosis scan which was never offered to me previously um like it's more I guess it's fancier than a standard ultrasound um but they said that through that scan they detected more of it which uh, on the one hand I, I was like why was this never offered to me before and then relieved to find out that that's what they found but also just like dismayed that it was back um and I don't really know what my future is now we're all a bit like okay what next yeah well I I so appreciate you talking about this because you know you you are you are living it now and people who who have endometriosis it's a sort of um well what they they at the moment you know I, I keep forever optimistic as we as we talk you know being friends and keeping in touch um I'm forever optimistic that maybe someday there will be some cure or, or something mm. more more tangible that can help uh, help you but um you do live with this every day and so it takes great I guess um great courage and strength you know bravery to to be talking about it in such a uh, balanced and you know just like normal way you know and I, I 
if I reflect on myself, if I were living with that, like this sort of not knowing when you might have this like terrible, terrible pain, then, you know, I, I might be a lot more uptight, I think. So, you know, thank you for being so open and, and you know, sharing in this beautiful way with me. Oh, thank you for saying that. I, do, I guess, yeah, I don't, I think I probably think of it as a different way, but I also, I don't want whilst I live with this every day I don't want to necessarily wear it like an identity like I don't want it to become me I don't want people to think of me as being the chronic pain girl or the endo girl whatever like I don't I I don't really accept that that's me I'm much more than the pain that I live with and you know whilst I don't know what my future looks like and I'm not always positive as you know we talk so often you know I'm not always super positive about things um most of the time I think I can just you know, I just have to accept that this is currently what I'm dealing with and hopefully it won't last forever, but I've got to try and deal with it whilst I've got it. So, Which is amazing, amazing to be in that headspace. I think sometimes people don't see themselves in the light that others see them in. So obviously you think you're totally negative and like going on about it all the time when actually, yes, we do speak a lot, obviously. I mean, you're in Australia, I'm in the UK and we're maintaining this friendship from... I mean, many, many thousands of miles and a crazy time difference. But um, I'm so, I'm always so in awe, really, of how positive you are. And I don't think you realize it. And it's 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 normal. Aww. It's really normal for us to see ourselves in like, oh, I'm having a really off day and I'm being really negative. For us, we're living in that. But for the other person, I'm not living in you. So like, I, I don't feel that as strongly as you do. So it's just, um, I want to make sure I say that as often as possible and as much as possible. So we talked about like physically and lifestyle wise, you know, how, how I guess living with endo affects your life. What about mentally then? So what and who keeps you afloat when you're feeling afloat? Yeah. So it definitely has a mental effect on me too, as I'm sure anyone else who has endo will attest to that. Um, so it's very easy for me to kind of just sort of withdraw and just get in my own headspace and be like well you know this is crap and this that and the other and nothing will ever get better but there are a few people in my life for sure that um that help sort of give me that perspective or as as you say zoom out help me zoom out on on everything gain perspective and it also it helps that you know I I I work at a place who are also very understanding as well so when I need to step back they very kindly let me and so in a lot of ways, I'm actually really lucky. I've got people in my life who are very, you know, willing and up for supporting me. And, you know, when, when I need it, and I think a lot of the time I don't want to ask for it because I feel selfish, but they're there like, no, like you, you always say, no, but I want to, I want to help. So it's so important to surround yourself with people, you know, that love and care for you. And uh, mentally knowing that you're not alone is one of the key factors in surviving anything. Um, this episode might be focused on endometriosis, um, mm. but it is, you know, a, a, what, do you, what would you call it, like a, a facet of, of chronic pain. Um, yeah. And of course, there are so many people in this. I mean, I gave the facts and figures for endometriosis, 10% of women worldwide, but I mean, there will be so many more people suffering from different sides of, of chronic pain, different things that I am not equipped to talk about, I probably don't know about, you know, so I certainly don't know enough about endometriosis and have no experience of it myself, but I definitely want to 
help in any way I can to raise awareness, to um, empower anyone to think that like, just because maybe someone else isn't experiencing that same pain, that, you know, we're not here as as a support and um, can help in, in any kind of way. So I don't know, it's, it's, it's one of those, I think. It's great that you're, you're raising, help raising awareness about endo and also chronic pain. Because the thing about chronic pain, and it's, this might sound really ignorant, but I never really gave it much thought until I myself started going through it. And um, yeah, I guess that does sound ignorant, but at the same time, because it's so often invisible, you don't look at someone and think, oh, they've got a chronic um, illness or whatever, um, that people just, you just don't really think about it, do you? So An invisible illness, and that's the lethal, that's the lethal type, you know? And And the thing is, is that, like you say, on the one hand, you don't want to sort of define yourself and wear it like a, a sort of identity badge, but at the same time, you know, if people could sort of, you know, perhaps treat you with a bit more compassion if they knew that oh hang on that person they have they're not just having an off day for the sake of it like they they actually do have something they're suffering from that that might be the reason why they're a bit tetchy today or, or whatever you know um yeah. just that kind of thing and I think that's why um raising awareness in a sort of more global sense that endometriosis is something that so many people suffer from and it is a silent kind of illness then then that would be of, of um, a great help. Um, I did find something on the internet that looked really good. Very nice website. Um, you might have heard of it. This Endo Life. Yes, I do listen to that. And actually, I got in contact with her because weirdly, I started listening to her podcast before I even thought I might have it. Actually, I think subconsciously, I must have started thinking this is something, this might be something like Endo. So I started listening to her podcast and I got in touch with her. And was basically like, thank you, you've given me knowledge that I, that I needed and I think I have this. And it was so nice. She was super nice. I actually, I think I may not have responded to her message, which is really bad of me. But um, but she was really nice. Yeah, it's a great podcast. Yeah, well, so I, I was just, you know, again, looking up endometriosis and she comes up um, when I typed in endometriosis blog. So anyone that is that might be listening to this that wants to find this person, this website, this endo life. And yeah, the website seems really, really interesting. Um, it's sort of split into two sections. You've got like lifestyle. So she's like, she's got various blogs on, you know, ways that she's sort of alleviating her symptoms. Again, there is no cure. Um, and then also um, nutrition. So um the endometriosis diet as she calls it for her and again I guess it's very just very personal because I think you may have tried some diet uh, different nutrition choices and for her she's talking about an anti-inflammatory diet to reduce inflammation to hopefully reduce pain for her it seems to work and she said it it started to work immediately have you experienced that at all um I I haven't but that's only, I think that's only because, well, I already, I already eat um, sort of a vegan diet. I have given it a go, but I've not really ever seen too much of a dramatic shift um, in terms of symptoms. But I also think that my endo is really related to my stress, um, along with other things. But I'm, a, for anyone who, who knows me, I'm a bit of a stress head. So, um and I do try and I do try and combat that. But it's quite tricky. Um, but yeah, I didn't I didn't find a big difference was made. But maybe 
I don't know now that it's been a few years sort of since I really gave it a go, I could try and give it another go. And that was also before my surgery. So I don't know now it's past surgery. I could give it a go. I'd probably be, I'd be willing to give it another go. I think. Interesting what you, what you said though, about the sort of the stress and how that might be related. Um, We know that stress is related to pain um, and, that higher levels of stress can cause more pain. Um, what would you, I mean, do you, do you do anything to combat that? Like, I don't know any, um, I know we've talked a little bit about like meditations and stuff through, through Mm. meditation. Did you notice any, have you noticed any drop in, in pain levels or anything like that? Um, I did actually a bit, I noticed a bit. So I, when I'm feeling good and I'm not in too much pain, I try and do, you know, I try and go for runs. Um, I try and do yoga to help with my stress. Um, I really try and sleep enough, but that is, um, obviously out of my hands a lot of the time. Um, but I, I think, I don't know what it is. I think I just slumped into a bit of a negative patch in my life. So all of the really healthy habits went out the window very quickly. So meditation, yoga, um, all of that. But I, I think it's one of those things. My problem is, is that I try and look for a cure in terms of looking at things that will fix it 100%. But actually someone I know um, who also suffers with chronic pain, he, um, he, he does a series of things that help reduce his pain levels, but he calls them like, it's like the 5% method. So he does hmm. um, acupuncture and that, takes away like 5% of his pain and then he avoids certain foods and that's another 5% taken. And then overall it all starts to add up. Um, so whilst he's not cured, he does a lot of these things or doesn't do certain things, doesn't eat certain things. Um, and that helps. Yeah. He's really inspiring. Yeah. I really, I really, really like that. That sort of accumulative, like little baby step approach, but that's so it takes the pressure off. It gives you like I, I like being very varied. Anyone that knows me, I'm, I've got so many different things that I like to do. I'm like, I love this. I love that. And I guess I always think, okay, well, I'm not going to beat myself up about like not focusing on one thing, which I think is good to really focus on one thing and, and, and master that if you like. But at the same time, I'm just grateful that I'm not saying I hate this. I hate that. But having all these different mini avenues, giving you that varied life can keep you sort of keep you interested in doing those things so like if you were just to focus on okay I'm just going to use this headspace app and, and and do meditation after a while that gets boring I, I feel the same I need to just switch it up a bit and I really like that idea so yeah let's um let's see if that you know starts to make any difference obviously it's not actually to do with maths at all but that's that's just how um this this guy I know talks about it and actually it's something that um I guess I should probably look into more because I tend to really focus on things 100% and it doesn't work and it's discarded. Yeah, absolutely. So. And, and that's the mental game of it anyway. It's like you're training your mind because I, I that's what my whole podcast is about. It's basically about the mind and how little we actually work with it. We often work against ourselves and the mind and we don't. And the only reason for that is that we don't understand. Like we're not taught at school. But yeah, no, definitely that that mindset of like these small wins, you know, that's what's going to keep us all, doesn't matter what we're talking about here, but just creating those small wins for yourself every day is a mindset for success. 
I want to ask you something now. What would you advise to people who may be currently undiagnosed, but like suffer from what they think are just really bad periods, you know, but maybe there's something more like what, what would you advise them? Like from your experience, you know, how can you like catch this quicker or help themselves? Yeah, that's, that's a really great question. Um, because actually for a lot of people, their diagnosis is, can take over 10 years or, it can, it, you know, I, there are people, Whoa. stories I've read on, on Facebook and they've taken 30 plus years, 40 plus years to get a diagnosis. It's really tragic. Um, it's, I can't imagine what that must be like. So that's why I say I'm lucky in that sense. Um, so my advice would be, um, from, from the stories that I've read and from what I've gone through is to go and see a doctor. And if that doctor is dismissive, which is not unheard of, I myself have been dismissed by loads of doctors. One told, one told me that it was all in my head, which is just you know wonderful to hear. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. If that doctor is dismissive, then you go and you get another opinion and you just, you are persistent with it. I would say, you know, your own body better than doctors. They can look at a chart and say, oh, it's this, but they're not the ones who are living with it day in, day out. You know yourself better than anyone else. And yeah, my advice would be, you've almost got to have like dogged determination with it. You've just got to keep persevering because for so many people, it's, you know, you can't, you just can't live like this. And it's too easy to be dismissed. And nah, you've got to, you've got to fight for it. That's, I guess, easier said than done because, endo is exhausting like the fatigue that you carry with you every day can just make it awful and then also being dismissed as well is really exhausting and quite um soul destroying as well but you just surround yourself hopefully with people who 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 can help you in whatever way and if you don't know those people personally there are people on social media who will be there to support you and you just keep going back even if you go and you have that surgery and they say that they didn't find anything that's still not necessarily the end of the road. I think there are other other things out there, other illnesses, other diseases um, that that it could possibly be that is causing you this pain. So, yeah. I love that. That's the perseverance. Don't take any crap from these doctors. I mean, because obviously, like, it, it would feel like society is against you. But again, it's, it's one of those, like, almost like a catch-22 because, you know, you've got all this stuff where, you know, the doctors say unknown causes for endometriosis and there is no cure. So then on the one hand, you have that lack of knowledge that they they admit. And then when someone goes to say, oh, I might have this, they're like, no, 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 you can't have that. When actually, what if the doctors don't have the knowledge yet to see certain things that would be like, oh, yeah, it's clearly this. Just being dismissed by um, a doctor or, you know, medical practitioner of sorts, um, it can make you feel like you're going crazy, like that you're, you know, sat in bed and just thought, am I crazy? Like, am I, am I inventing this somehow? Like where, what, what's going on? Like the doctors are just being super dismissive and obviously they don't think it's something. So is it nothing, but you've really got to go with your gut instincts. No, you're not crazy. You know, your body and this isn't normal to be in pain. Like it's just not. No, no. Thank you for saying that. So you're the, the you that is speaking now with that knowledge and that awareness and openness to speak to someone else what would you what advice would you like to give to the the Anna tomorrow that might be a little bit less a, bit, a little bit less forgiving of herself oh wow I haven't really thought about that it's always what advice would you give to your past self okay um well 
as we've established, currently recording a podcast. I've also taken painkillers that have helped with the pain, taking the edge off. So I feel like I'm in a good headspace to to give advice, I guess. Um, oh, is this cliche to say that it, oh, I was going to say it doesn't last forever, but it can feel like it does because it goes away and then it comes back. I guess a lot of the time when I am going through it, there's a voice in my head that goes, this isn't, this isn't forever. You know, this isn't forever. You'll get through this. This can't be it. Like this can't be it. It just can't. Um, and whether that means that at some point in my life, I will live without pain, which I would love. I would absolutely love that. Um, or whether that just means that I might, maybe at this point in time, I'm still not accepting of what I've got, but there will come a point where I am. And then that in itself, I don't know, helps in a way. Um, yeah, it's not forever. That's beautiful. I believe that we all have it, but you're aware of it, that you have this strength to to think, okay, yeah, this isn't forever. And I'm going to focus on all the days in the future. What about if you live in the future, but in a really positive way? So okay, you suffer from chronic pain. And again, this is me just clutching at straws here. I have no experience with chronic pain, okay? As a woman, okay, period pain, bad period pains. And even when I have those, I think, oh my goodness, you know, how am I going to live through this? This is just, yeah. as a woman, we just have to deal with that. That's fine. But yeah, looking ahead into the future and focusing on there, there will be all these good days when I'm not experiencing pain or when the pain is not taking over the life of me that day. And um, I've only just thought of that. And actually, I'm going to try and use that myself. I will write it down. <laughs> I'll be very honest. When I'm having a flare up, it's not always like a positive. You know, I'm quite often curled up in a ball on the floor, whether that's at work, whether that's at home, which is actually the best place to have it because I've got my heat pack and my medication right there and I don't have to go anywhere. Um, unless it's super bad and then it's off to the hospital that we go. Um, uh, it's almost like I don't think of anything. It's just overwhelmingly, all I can think of is the pain. You know, it's only been a few years since, no, a few years, a year and a bit since my diagnosis. Um, so I think I'm still in that phase of acceptance, but this is only speaking as someone who's lived with chronic pain for, I think in the grand scheme of things, not entirely that long. And there are people who have lived with chronic pain their whole life. So I would be very keen to get their perspective on this on on this kind of subject as well. Absolutely. Conversation is is key. Yeah. Like the knowledge and understanding, talking to people. And again, I know nothing in, in that grand scheme of things where people have been suffering for you know decades. You know, yeah. you've been suffering for years and it's bad enough. And I hear your story in a in a real life, you know, friend sort of uh, basis, you know, regular. So really, um, I'm in a privileged position to be able to be talking about it. Um, but I hope that like um, through talking about it with you, maybe whoever's listening to this, that I don't know, maybe there's just like one sentence or one thing that sparks some inspiration into living or thinking in a different way that might help just one day of pain you know um and that's a step in the right direction yeah even if it's just you know knowing that you're not alone that's the thought that gets me through sometimes you know I don't want anyone else to suffer but the fact of the matter is a lot of people do so knowing that there are other people who understand um because they've been through it I guess yeah you're not alone Thank you so much for this. Like I said before, you know, the the strength, the courage to to talk about this so openly and with good good humor, good spirit, you know, it's um 
yeah, I, I, I'm in awe of that. Really, I am. And I, I try and tell you as much as possible. Um, thank you so much, Anna, for being here. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a privilege as always. Thank you for having me on the show. I hope I answered your questions. Thank you so much for being here and listening to this episode. I hope it's given some insight into what it might be like living and dealing with chronic pain. Um, if you know anyone that might enjoy this episode, please do share it as this episode is very much about creating awareness of an illness that is very little known. In the meantime, I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Thank you.